following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Many bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. It's my great fortune to have as my guest today, Michael Wolf, co-founder of Activate. And for those of you that may not be familiar with Activate, Activate is the management consulting firm that works with sports, entertainment, and tech leaders. Michael's going to have a lot of great points to make about a lot of different areas in tech, consuming content, all that kind of fun stuff that uh, the direction of the distribution and consumption of sports is taking us in. But, Michael, i got to start off right off the bat here. Um, w- what's your take on the Yankees getting involved in esports? Uh, I, th- I think this is part of an overall trend that sports teams – are interested in participating in what is likely to be the biggest phenomenon among um, both sports fans and then also really overlapping into video games, which is uh, eSports. The Yankees are following a number of other people who, um, whether it's the NBA owners, um, whether it's Ted Leonsis with Monumental Sports, um, and the Washington Wizards, I, I think there's a recognition that if you're going to want to be in sports, you're going to want to have a role in esports. And um, and I think also we have yet to see esports evolve into any sort of organized format into real leagues, um, real star players. So there's there's nothing. It's likely that the Yankees and other sports teams that are investing in esports are likely to to create their own avatars from their from their own players. I mean, people who are on the field um, can also be on the computer screen. So, I'm, I'm, of course, if you're a Yankee fan, which uh, I am happy to say that I am. So as an avatar, Aaron Judge can somehow have a role as the Yankees move into esports. Is that what I'm understanding? Well, I mean, I think that if you look at what the NBA is doing with um, with Take Two, which is one of the largest video game companies, is they're they're trying to allow you to do through esports to create what what might be the your own version of of, of fantasy, a, a combination between basketball, fantasy basketball, and fantasy esports, being able to use. Their, your favorite players, your favorite teams. And it's hard for a lot of people to understand how you have this sport where people are playing video games and, and yet tens of thousands of people are watching them. And it shows a level of engagement that goes way beyond what somebody can get just by watching a Yankees game or watching a basketball game or any, uh, or any other sport. And so I don't think this replaces the, um, the, the game experience. I think it extends it. 
Very interesting. And just I'll just summarize the agreement that the Yankees uh, have for, for our listeners, Michael. Uh, what they announced was an investment partnership with Vision Esports. Vision Esports is the largest single shareholder of three esports-related companies. And uh, the two organizations, the Yankees and Vision Esports, are going to create and manage quote-unquote, an ecosystem of esports properties that include Echo Fox, Twin Galaxies, and Vision Entertainment. And, and as I see this, and, I, and I'd really love to get your thoughts on it, what the game plan seems to be is to accelerate the growth and increase the global brand awareness of the three companies. Everybody's interested in a couple of things. One is they want a piece of that money. Number two, they're hoping that one way or the other this converges around being a league. And and then finally, probably the most interesting thing about esports is that people are very interested in being able to gamble on esports. And yes, there's a lot of controversy around gambling around mainstream sports, but we should expect that gambling on video games will be here. There are already U.S. companies like Skills, which are starting to to take bets, and esports is just really just made for gambling. For this new Overwatch League, which is uh, what Echo Fox is in, um, they've been talking about getting twenty million dollars per team per franchise, which kind of gives you a, a slot. And and for the other big league that's been trying to uh, sell franchise rights, it's the uh, North American Champions League, which which plays the League of Legends game. Now, uh, I I don't know that anybody has paid those amounts in full. Uh, I I reached out to Activation Blizzard, which does the Overwatch League. I believe that that's theirs, and uh, have not uh, heard back from them on that. But from your perspective, Michael, what is what is the esports investment rationale, and and do those types of numbers make sense to you? Um, they they do and they don't. So it's it depends on who really comes into this. And um, I mean, Activision Blizzard comes into this um, into this with a tremendous amount of a, a real sort of depth. In in sports, in, I mean, sort of in vi- video games, which will translate through esports. So, um, so if you look at there's this is a coming from a very different place than somebody who's just walking into this business, and um, and I I think that when you look at Overwatch, which is published by by Activision Blizzard, um, this is a game that's that's really huge. Um, Huge winner in terms of an, and huge audience uh, in terms of esports. So, um, what whatever um, Activision Blizzard is doing in esports, they come at this with a great deal more credibility than um, than somebody else who who would just be uh, who's just showing up and wants to start an esports league. Interesting and and. Uh... It also seems that one of the risks here could be that the game itself, a particular game that the league uses, could, you know, all of a sudden not be popular at one point uh, because the popularity of the game seems to be a big driver in terms of the investment interest or, and, and 
the players who, who want to be in that league. When you look historically, there have been very few games which have gone out. There are new games that have come in. Uh, it's a small, there's only a small set of companies that uh, are able to create games. And so uh, I don't see this changing because of the popularity of the underlying game. I do think it'll change once you have new players come in and and these are people who um, are playing huge amounts of time and um, and yet once again they're, they're really not gaining they, 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 so far they haven't really become celebrities outside of of esports Michael uh, what do you think of esports fan demo and uh, how that could translate into revenue for esports um, if you look at the, the, the demographics for esports, um, this is this is a, a great group of people who are who tend to be much younger than um, than the rest of the, the, the population. Um, they are they, they fit much more into um, they're they're much closer into the um, into the area of major league soccer um, and, um, and 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 really other sports. That have a huge interest among um, millennials, and uh, and also they um, these are people who have higher incomes. So um, I, I think that also what's interesting among the demographics of these people is that these are also almost our research shows that over ninety percent of the people who are esports enthusiasts also follow other sports. And, but what is happening is they are taking some time away from their viewership of NBA or NHL or or um, or NFL to watch esports, and it's one of the reasons why um, the existing leagues and teams need to take notice. And we'll be right back after this quick break. The Forbes Sports Money Podcast is brought to you by LifeLock. Equifax recently announced a breach of 143 million identities, and you need to take steps to get protection. Be among the millions who trust their identity theft protection to LifeLock. Go to LifeLock.com. Use promo code Forbes for 10% off. What do you sort of see the model being in terms of uh, the future organization and professionalism of esports? Well, first of all, we, we should expect that... Uh, that we're going to see number of the esports stars move into the realm of the top, uh, whether tennis or golf or NASCAR stars. So so far, we these people aren't getting the kind of sponsorship money. They're not getting the kind of recognition. They're not household names, but they will be. And, uh, and and whether they're playing Dota 2 or League of Legends, uh, they're they're gaining a tremendous amount of fan following. So I think it's, these people are likely to move into the mainstream, and the prize levels for these games are also likely to reach the levels of of other prizes for for other sports. And then finally, they're likely to gain huge sponsorship dollars. Yeah, I mean, you know, the demographics. A lot, you know, my initial reaction when I started delving into esports several months ago was, 
you know, the demographics wouldn't, wouldn't, were not lucrative to get certain what you might call blue chip sponsors. But boy, was I wrong. I mean, like Audi is a big sponsor of esports, you know, and, and they're into other professional sports. How quickly, Michael, do you think this is going to, uh, where we're going to see more youth and in intercollegiate esports teams or, and, and new league models where, where you get, uh, perhaps teams, tied to geographic locales and, and maybe model systems similar to what Major League Baseball has or Major League Soccer in terms of even player development? Well, we shouldn't look to existing sports as a model for eSports will develop. First of all, it, this is a game. These are games that uh, cross boundaries. They're not, they're not geographically focused. They're, uh, and if you, because this is all largely played online, but these are but any of these games, whether you're talking about League of Legends or Dota, they're they're played by people around the world. And and let's not forget Asia, a lot of this begins in Asia. So I don't expect to see esports developing the same way with collegiate teams. I mean there may be collegiate teams, but they're not gonna be they're not gonna be limited by geography. Uh I, I don't see that that this being a business where you've got a city has a team, certainly not anytime soon. We, we need to think about this as um, cross-country, internationally, globally, uh, with uh, um, a tremendous amount of following, which is very different. I mean, we really should view this as much closer to what we're seeing with, um, with soccer worldwide than with what the, the sort of local re, local teams that we see in the U.S. for for the major sports leagues. Yeah, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I guess I was kind of uh, uh, looking at, I think it's the North American Champions League, where they have different leagues that are uh, that are geographic. You know, I may not be getting the exact locations, but I think they have like a European league and and. Uh, North American League and stuff like that. I, they seem to be breaking it up geographically. Do I do I have that right? Their strategy? Yes, no, the, they are breaking up geographically. The question is is are we going to have uh, are we going to have teams in New York, Los Angeles, mm. uh, you know, Chicago, and that's not clear yet. And, and and I think this is so underdeveloped from a business and league perspective that in a lot of ways it's the Wild West. What we do know is that a lot of the conditions for success are in place, which is massive global viewership. We do have sponsors coming in, everybody from uh, Coca-Cola to, um, to Xfinity to, to Arby's, the, we, Red Bull, they're all coming in, in into, this, into this sport. And, uh, and yet... We don't, and, and, and part of the reason for all this investment is people don't know how, how, what it, how it's going to play out, so they want to buy a piece of real estate. Mm. And, and they're even developing uh, eSports-specific arenas now, which kind of uh, I found uh, very, very interesting. Is, is that because these arenas uh, need to be wired uh, you know, for certain types of technology, be, be, need to be uh, laid out in such a fashion that when people go, they can enjoy the eSports uh, contest much more than they could say, you know, like they've had them at Madison Square Garden or uh, the Staples Center out in Los Angeles. Well, I, I think that some of this comes down to just continuity, which is that, that there, it is a 
setting up esports in an arena or in a venue uh, is um, you can create a great experience. But yes, having having the ability to have a place that's much be- much better wiring, and and it's 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 hard to take a big venue, Madison Square Garden, and give it the kind of bandwidth so that people are not just watching from the stage, but also can watch from their own computer or their own phone. I think second of all, um, it's the, the esports doesn't necessarily follow the schedules of, of of other games, so you're not you're not they don't want to have to compete for nights when in an arena you don't have hockey or or, or, or basketball. What is surprising to many people is that you can fill a Madison Square Garden or a Verizon Center with people who want to watch esports. And if you're not into esports and you haven't really seen it, then um, then it's hard to understand. Before we uh, delve into the bigger picture of, of tech and sports, uh, what's your sense, Michael? You know, we as you touched on, there are so many people now that own traditional sports teams, or and and many of them, like Ted Leonsis, uh, are really experts at technology and big data and so forth. Now the Yankees are in, the NBA is looking to start a league. If I'm an investor right now and I'm sitting there and I've and I've got, you know, I'm I'm not incredibly wealthy like some of these folks getting into esports, but you know, I've got, you know, maybe thirty, forty million dollars. Is it too late for me to get into esports or is it still hot right now? It's still a good time to get in. Uh it, I, the, the probably the best way to look at this would be investing in, in, when you think about this from a public stock perspective, it's investing in people like Activision and Take Two, which will which will really ride on the backs of their existing franchises, their existing game franchises, to build a, a strong position in esports. Uh, I think that the com- the private companies, no, it's not too late. Uh, on, on the contrary, it's still very early, and, uh, and we're not exactly sure how this is going to, to evolve. Uh, th- this is I mean, one of the other business, one of the other leagues I'm very excited about is Major League Soccer, and I, I would place the two on par. It's going to have the they're both going to have huge amount of growth. They're of interest to millennials. Uh, they're interest to Hispanics and Asians, and uh, which are growing populations in the United States, and um, and they're going to be fantastic businesses. They're just not going to be huge businesses overnight. And we'll be right back after this quick break. The Equifax breach that impacted roughly 143 million consumers just got bigger. They've now added 2.5 million people to that list. If that's not bad enough, Yahoo announced that their 2013 breach impacted all 3 billion user accounts, triple the original estimate. You should know once your personal information has been exposed, it doesn't just go away. Identity thieves can buy your info on the dark web for months, even years after a breach. They can use it to commit crimes in your name, even steal from your 401k. Now is the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit. Go to lifelock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use promo code FORBES. That's FORBES for 10% off your LifeLock membership. 
Visit lifelock.com and save 10% now. Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time, finally, for America's Lakers podcast. That's right, I'm going to be hosting America's Lakers podcast. My man, Aaron Larsoul, an analytical genius, he's going to bring to the table what I can't every Wednesday. America's Lakers podcast exclusively at podcastone.com, the podcastone.com app, which I highly recommend. You can rate and review this podcast on all Apple products. And guess what we're not going to do? We're not going to bathe in the gossip and the gratuitous negativity that's been swallowing Los Angeles whole lately. Who did what? Who snitched? Who said what? How about truth? How about facts? How about statistics? How about rotations? What's Luke Walton thinking? Who's underperforming? Who's overachieving? Who's rewarded? Who's coming? Who's going? And what are we going to do with all that delightful, delicious cap space? America's Lakers podcast with me, Jay Moore, and my man, my brother, Aaron Larsoul, every Wednesday, podcastone.com. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This war for tech supremacy, is, is it moving to uh, or being driven by newer technologies such as augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, and, and voice assistance? Uh, if you were to step back and say, what are some of the things that we've pointed to this year that will have a huge impact over the next three to four years? I would say it's those technologies. First of all, it's going to be the conversational interface. It's digital assistance. And uh, the place that most people today are seeing the digital assistant is through um, an Amazon Echo or through what, what the, the HomePod that's about to come out uh, or the Google Home. And, and the speaker, that begins with the, the, the speaker and but we'll quickly move into something where it's free available through your phone or through your TV or other devices the other place is virtual reality and augmented reality virtual reality the prices of the headsets is coming way down it's a great but virtual reality can be a great experience for a lot of things it isn't really there for sports and some of that just has to do with the angles in sports and, 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 and hard to watch a live game. If you see something that's produced after the game, it can be amazing. But augmented reality is really likely to take off. The new, um, the new iPhones already have augmented reality built in. Most people within four years who have a smart sp- smartphone will have that smartphone will be enabled for augmented reality. Michael, how do you expect Alphabet, Alphabet Inc.? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but just let me just throw this out there, and I'll, and I'll let you go again, uh, continue. Uh, but like Alphabet, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, how do you expect them to battle uh, vis-a-vis the context uh, that you're describing now, and, and, and what role will sports play in all of this? So one thing they're going to do in the next couple of years is they're going to try to get sports rights. And the place that we should really look for this to evolve is in 2019 with many of these sports are coming due for renegotiation. And they're going to bid against ESPN and NBC and Fox Sports 
because they're hoping that one of the ways that they can gain viewers of their own platforms, whether it's YouTube or it's iTunes or it's Facebook Watch, they're, they're hoping that, that the way they can get that viewership is through owning sports. A lot of our research shows that about 80% of sports fans are pretty avid. They're, they, they're going to watch the league that they want to watch, the game that they want to watch, the team that they want to watch, and there's no replacement. And so each of those tech companies, we should see them in the next couple of years jumping in. They're already starting to to try to own sports rights. You know, you look at what's happened to ESPN. Uh, yes, of course, you know, there's been a lot of cord cutting. They've lost uh, they've lost subscribers. But at the same time, you know, they, they've they've seemed to be the uh, m- most bullish of all the rights fees holders for sports in terms of what they're willing to pay. They've, so they're sort of encumbered by these huge uh uh, rights fees that they have to pay out, and I'm just wondering if I'm Facebook and I'm uh, Amazon and and Google and so forth, and I'm and I'm looking at this, what's happening here? I'm wondering if I might not temper what I was, what I'd be willing to pay for those rights. Will they bid huge amounts for these rights? Yes, they'll bid. Do I think that they'll win entirely? Probably not. They'll drive up the cost for for the existing networks. I'm not sure sports is going to be the winner on those other platforms because I think the people are viewing them for different things. I think that they're not going to Netflix to watch sports. And in order to be able to put sports on, you're going to have to spend a lot of other money. You're going to have to bring in, you watch sports not just because of of the game itself, but because you want the point of view from the commentators. You want to see past clips. You, you, um, you even, a lot of people want to watch sports because they like the commercials. You're watching a game, you expect there's going to be a break, and, um, and, and it's, that's the difference with the experience. It's also interesting, uh, you know, Facebook and, and Google and, and, and Twitter, those, these types of companies, will they have to uh, change other things, other part of their technologies, so that if they are to buy sports rights... Uh, they could do something similar to what Amazon is doing in terms of being able to monetize those rights. Um, the, the the other guys are all focused on this from an advertising. Well, it's it, again, it's different. Hulu and, and and Netflix, they are subscription models. They would be unlikely to to bid those huge amounts on sports without having to, with have, without having to increase. Their, their subscriber dollars, I mean, their subscriber prices. Uh, the advertising guys, Facebook and Alphabet, they, they absolutely would need to add on advertising. Amazon Prime, yes, it will drive members for them, but let's recognize they've already reached a sizable penetration in the United States. So uh, sports... Once again, coming back to your earlier question, I do see people bet, bidding large amounts on sports. Not sure that they're going to take – I think it'd be foolish for any of the leagues to hand over an entire season, all of their games, to one of these platforms because it's not likely they're going to come back. Interesting. Michael, how does the cable industry shake out in all of this, uh, you know, the typical MSO – uh, are they going away? I mean, their stocks are, are not priced as though they're going away. Uh, and I always thought maybe that was because of bundling, you know, get the TV, the Internet, and, and the cable package. 
but uh, are they going to survive all of this? Yes, we've seen some declines. Some of that comes out of the natural transition from people watching direct broadcast satellite, which really is troubled because you don't have any any other connection. But the the also piece of it is that overall a lot of cable was overpenetrated. So the cable companies, the guys who are leading cable, whether it's Comcast or Charter, they are um, they're Verizon. Each of them, they're very smart about how they're managing this. Uh, they are not going to be losing huge amounts of, of, of customers. The, the decline is going to be less than 1%. And let's remember, just because somebody disconnects doesn't mean that they don't reconnect. Right. If you've already selling your broadband, you can come back and sell it to them again. What about over the top? Uh, isn't that going to be the way that uh, people are going to be really consuming more and more content and therefore you know, again, lessen the uh, need for cable companies? Um, the A lot of these skinny bundles, whether a year ago, AT&T announced its DirecTV Now package. They joined uh, Sling TV and PlayStation View as being places where you could buy a TV signal. You could get your cable bundle without having to go through your cable company. Well, one of the issues is that you um, you still need broadband, in a lot of parts of the country, there's not. You need 25 megabits per second in order to be able to get a great signal. Try watching a football game on Sling TV if you don't have much bandwidth. Mm. But the and not that much of the country is really wired with 25 megabits per second. Uh, and so a lot of the country it's very very concentrated in the Northeast. So the rest of the country just doesn't have that much bandwidth. Uh, the other thing is, is those bundles, they start off at $35, and then suddenly they get, they, they start off skinny, and then they get fat. The place where there's likely to be some sex success in these skinny bundles is when you don't have to have a broadcast signal, and that's going to be, I mean, you don't have to have a, bandwidth, a high bandwidth signal that comes off um, of the, the um, that comes off of cable, but you can get one off a of broadcast through the new broadcasting standards. You're probably one of the only guys I know uh, that can answer this question. But I'm trying to figure out and describe Dish and, and the guy, the CEO of Dish. And, and I've been trying to understand what they've been doing. And the best way I can explain it, and then you could re-explain it for our audience and put it into uh, terms that actually make sense. But he's been going out and buying like all this space in the universe uh, that uh, – and. and by the way, and taking on huge amounts of debt to do it uh, in order to, as I understand it, to be able to distribute content in yet another way, which, as I can tell, is not technically described as over the top. And I'm just wondering, sort of, if you've been observing this, what your take on it is. Uh, there's going to be a huge value in Spectrum. And we've seen this over and over and over again because... There's only a certain amount of spectrum out there. It is a scarce commodity. And uh, for, uh, for DISH to be buying it means not just a use, for, not just for their own use, but there's a lot of other uses for it. And so in a lot of ways, this is uh, a, a game of taking, creating an asset. I mean, owning spectrum is like real estate. And it's, a, it's about real estate that can be traded and real estate that can be used for other things. So, um, so I, I think that 
that Charlie Ergen is, is, is being very smart about buying Spectrum. He's made a lot of money in the past by doing so. I wouldn't be worried the least bit about the debt because uh, ultimately he will be able to make money with it. And that Spectrum allows him to do what or to whoever has Spectrum exactly? I'm sure that's a very well, simple question for, for <laughs> I should know that, but what does that mean exactly? Well, Spectrum can deliver voice. It can deliver a TV signal. It can deliver a broadband. So Spectrum is extremely valuable in all of these businesses. But recognize there's only – Spectrum is – there are parts of it that are already allocated, so it is scarce. And historically, when you look at the media and telecom business, money has been made via scarcity. So whether you have a TV channel or a radio channel, um, the – Owning Spectrum is like that in terms of there's not that much of it. It becomes very valuable. Anybody wants to expand, whether the major telcos want to expand their business, uh, you have the cable companies that want to get into the into the wireless business. So owning that Spectrum is really valuable. Fascinating. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you just two more questions. One is, Michael, if if – there is a sleeper out there in terms of a trend or in terms of a company that you think is being overlooked by a lot of people right now in terms of how technology is changing, and particularly in the context of sports. What would that be? And my follow-up is please tell the audience uh, uh, what your Twitter handle is because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that, that are going to want to follow you. Um, I can't point to one company that I would say is a sleeper. I think that there are a number of companies out there that people aren't really taking notice of. And I think one of them is Alibaba. And uh, because I think that any of the Asian technology companies, Alibaba, JD.com, these guys, and Tencent, these guys aren't just going to, um, aren't just going to be playing in Asia. They're going to be playing in the U.S. Um, Tencent is um, one of the largest entertainment companies in the world. They're very deep in, in gaming. They're deep in, in eSports. Um, from a stock perspective, not a lot of Americans own them, uh, but uh, expect to see them here, either through an acquisition or through building their own businesses. And my Twitter handle is very easy to remember. My name is Michael J. Wolf, and my Twitter handle is at MJW. Michael, thank you so much for uh, coming on sports money my pleasure uh, I, I great, wish great we had, to join you I, I wish we had more time i feel like we've just touched uh, the edge of the uh, tip of the iceberg with with your knowledge uh, hopefully we could we could have you back again soon uh, michael wolf everybody co-founder of activate that's it for this episode of forbes sports money thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with a comment or question Please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's one.com.
Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. That's right. The Lady Ang podcast is turning 100. We have laughed, cried, giggled, unfiltered through 100 episodes, and we want you to join us for our 100th birthday extravaganza. We're looking back at all the best moments, the funniest moments, the best advice we got from our 100 guests, and we want you to join us. So come find us on Tuesday, and you can find us exclusively at podcastone.com or the new Podcast One app. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can feel famous. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.